Welcome to Totally Lit, a monthly podcast celebrating reading, writing and creating literature. I'm your host Kai, thank you for listening. This episode we continue with our GenreCon interview series. I'm lucky enough to be chatting with the amazing Marianne de Piers, who is this year's GenreCon patron. Dr Marianne de Piers is the recipient of a Curtin University Distinguished Australian Alumni Award for significant and valuable contributions to Australian feminist literature. She is author of the award-winning Sentience of Orion and Peacemaker series. Her best-selling Young Adult Night Creatures trilogy was on the recommended reading lists for both the Stella Prize and the Victoria Premier's Literature Award. Marianne also writes award-winning humorous crime under the pseudonym Marianne Delacourt. Hi Marianne, welcome to Totally Lit. Thank you for joining me. Hi Kai, this is just a delight. So really nice to be on here and to meet you. It's exciting to meet, even though we're on different sides of Australia at the moment. Yeah, yes. Um, that, um, we're over in um, the Republic of Western Australia at the moment, or at least I am. <laughs> with the magic of technology, we, it's like we're together. <laughs> it is. Now, I'd like to start off by chatting to you about GenreCon, and you're the patron this year. Um, can you tell me about what that means to you? Well, it's kind of hard to put into words exactly, I guess, um, you know, I think anybody that's asked to be a patron of a convention understands that, you know, there's something really special in that opportunity. But I think particularly so for me, I felt it because, uh, you know, I sort of haven't been very active, you know, in terms of producing books or, you know, and it has been hard to see people the last couple of years. So I feel like I've been invisible and so it's really, really nice uh, to be invited and feel that I'm still part of the community, you know, um, and when I haven't seen people for so long. And, you know, I started a PhD back in 2015 and that sort of took me out of, you know, writing as regularly as I had been. And so, yeah, I just I just feel very honoured and privileged and, and really looking forward to chatting to people I haven't seen for a while and meeting new people. It's going to be a great opportunity to connect with other people who write genre fiction this year it's moving online um, just due to the way the world is at the moment and it's using the platform gather now (laughs) I'm because I love your hair so much I'm I'm (laughs) can't wait to find out if you have created your avatar yet in gather (laughs) well I have but I'm not sure that it's finished but I was having trouble getting hair that I wanted, so instead I've got a pirate's cap on. But I'm still fooling around with it, so... Okay, so and, when and I... in fact, I may change it during during over the few days of the convention, so... <laughs> so if we see a pirate hat, it may not necessarily be you. No, but sure, come and check it out. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, think I kept getting green hair or yellow hair or something, and I couldn't quite get it the colour I wanted so I'm still working work in progress is there the choice of a mohawk uh yeah I think there might have been (laughs) I might be a bit old for a mohawk although I must say I've seen some beauties in the last couple of years with older people wearing them so and part of your participation in genre con uh this year is you're doing a session an in conversation session with Marie Kimberley and that's at 10:45 on the Sunday. Now that is Marie interviewing you, is that correct? That is and a very special moment for both Marie and I because I mentored 
Marie way, way, way back when she um, was beginning her writing journey. And, oh, that'll be wonderful. And I learnt, launched her first book just last year, so it's always great. We've always got a lot to say when we catch up. And I feel like it's just like been a full circle for us. So, yeah, really, really looking forward to that chat. Fantastic. And listeners can purchase tickets uh, for that chat by going to www.genrecon.com.au. Now, I'm, because you've mentioned mentoring, I'm going to switch our questions around a little bit. I'm keeping you on your toes. Because I was reading when I was researching and preparing for the interview that you have ment- mentored a number of genre writers. And just from my own point of view as an emerging author, I found those relationships really invaluable. But I'd like the perspective of a men- mentee about that, that experience. Can you tell me about how it's been for you mentoring up-and-coming authors? Oh, look, it's, I think it's like, I, it probably sounds a bit corny to say this, but I feel like it's a bit of my my calling in life because I, I do a lot of coaching now as well in sport. And, you know, just seeing people develop and reach their potential in whatever field it is, is it's just a truly special thing. And I think I've always been a bit of a person, you know, um, you know, you get these people in life who like to connect people with others. And that's always been something that I've really enjoyed doing and got a lot of pleasure out of. So I think those two things go hand in hand. And it happened fairly organically, just obviously mentoring for friends. But then I had an op- a couple of opportunities to do it you know, with the Hachette Manuscript Development Group and, you know, people came out of that like Joe Anderton mm-hmm. and then I've worked, you know, with my some of my colleagues like Trent, Jamison and just one time I stumbled on this short story that I just loved and I contacted the author who um, I happened to know through the community and said, oh, look, if you want to turn this into a book, I'd really love, love to sort of work with you on it. So just it comes up in random ways and re- like, Right now, actually, I'm mentoring a West Australian writer who's um, writing science fiction series. And so it's just always been present, opportunities always present, and it's something that I'm on the lookout for because it gives me huge satisfaction. Mm. And I don't know, you get to know people in a way that you wouldn't. if you When you're working with somebody on their art, it's a, it's a unique experience or their passion, you know, uh, as with the coaching um, sport. So, yeah... Uh, it's in my DNA. In, in 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 short, it's in my DNA. It's such a gift to give to someone as well, because our art is such a personal part of us. We really expose ourselves to someone when we're sharing our work, and especially if you're sort of going working with someone you respect, and you're like, "Oh, is this okay? Am I good enough?" And so having those people remind you, "Yes, this is good." or this needs work, like, it, yeah, it's really a lovely relationship. Yeah, look, I think, you know, from my point of view, you need to treat your mentee with respect, you know, uh, and provide some kind of psychological safety for them, as you said, because they're vulnerable, they're exposing themselves, and and they can sense that straight away. So they know if they're safe in this environment with you and they know um, you're being respectful towards them and then, you know, it's only up from there. So uh, I, I feel like, you know, in some ways it, it's like I feel like we all 
need to mentor someone in our life. That's part of our, our duty as a human being, <laughs> our responsibility for being brought into this world. There's got to be someone out there that we've part, you know, yeah, yeah. sort of spent that energy on. That's almost part of how this podcast has come about is me attempting to be an author and just wanting to share the experience with other people who who want to write but might be a little bit too scared to put their, dip their toe in the water and I've sort of just been sharing as I go along oh this is what I've done this this month to try and be published <laughs> that's fantastic wow. and, really and it's, fantastic um, been good to be able to share the ups and downs as well but then also chatting to amazing authors who are sharing their knowledge as well and that I'm sort of like is everybody listening (laughs) 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 listen to this person they know what they're talking about (laughs) so you're quite a prolific author and you have written in in many different genres Mm. you've written sci-fi and crime and you've written for both adults and children do you do you have a favorite genre and audience to write for no, no, not really. I mean, I've probably written more kind of adult fiction, I suppose. I have, I have more uh, books in that particular genre. But honestly, you know, I'm, I feel very in the moment with whatever it is. And I would say that that's my favourite at that moment. And then when I'm writing the next thing, that's my favourite. And uh, at the moment, I've um, been uh, researching for like three years now, my first ever biography and, oh, okay. you know, if you would have asked me 20 years ago, you know, is biography a genre you would write in? I would say absolutely never in a million years. So I, th- I think I'm very, very much a cre- creature of the, the present moment when it comes to, to that kind of thing. It is a talent, though, to be able to write in different genres. Not everybody can do that. So it's... Um, yeah, I d- it's maybe... That skill. <laughs> maybe it's just... Uh, <laughs> Maybe I didn't give it enough thought. <laughs> no, um, I, I don't know if it's a talent, but I suppose you have to have a degree of confidence that your work is going to translate into whatever genre or medium you want to you want to sort of play around in. And I just never gave it a moment's thought that I would be better off staying somewhere. I just followed, you know, my interest and my passion and. You know, I'm not a person who writes a lot of words. I've always been a fairly lean writer. You know, I never write more than about a 90,000-word novel. I, I wouldn't know how to write 250,000 words a novel. So I need to be really engaged and really passionate about what it is. And so I've let my passion really direct me. And that has never for a moment thought it couldn't jump from genre to genre. So <laughs> I don't know what that says about me, but anyway... No barriers. That's great. <laughs> and do you have a favourite character that you've created? Oh, well, it would be very rude of me to pick one because the others would be very upset. But <laughs> I think, you know, uh, the, the, my, the protagonist of my first series, the Nylon Angel series, Parish Palacey, and I think she'll always have a bit of a special place in my heart. You know, she was the first sort of fictional character who who I got inside, really got inside and understood and lived through. So, um, And she's fairly kick-ass and, you know, I, I love a lot of things about it. But I was just thinking about it before we talked today and really they've all my, my main characters have had, you know, it's not easy. Their lives are not easy. So in many ways I love my secondary characters 
more because I find that I bring a lot more humour to them. And so I can't really pick one, but I suppose parishes has a special place in my heart. So it's the same as when the kids ask you, Mum, which, which child do you love the most? And you say, I love you all the same. You do, and of course you don't. You don't love them all the same. You love them all differently. <laughs> but, uh, and it, at, at any one moment, you might love one of them more than the other. I guess it depends which one is being the naughtiest exactly. at the time. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And now oh, you've really answered my next question already, which is, is there a genre of writing that you haven't tried but you'd like to? So you're looking at writing a, or are writing a biography? I've, yeah, I've written sort of probably three or four chapters and, and spent a lot of time researching it. And I suppose I would like to get like much better at creative nonfiction. It's, it's an area that I'd really like to, to understand more and, and, and just produce more uh so that really interests me and i didn't think that you know non-fiction ever would but uh, you know there's lots of sub-genres that i would love to play around you know and i've got three or four like i'm actually writing um a um for the first time ever uh, like uh, a traditional fantasy novel which i have never written without some science fictional element in it and so this is like really interesting experience for me so there's definitely stuff i would like to write um still and probably if you ask me in a year i'll have a couple of other ideas on the boil mm. now i i was reading in my research that you had quite an early start with your publishing career would you like to share your beginnings oh, with our listeners? well there's the short version and the long version so <laughs> i'll give you the short version i think mine was like really a very typical journey into publishing in many ways it was you know the many attempts and many fails kind of story it was not um, the first thing that I wrote was picked up magically and it was a bit of a case of you know the rolling stone gathering moss I um, had sent my first novel to um, an agent uh, in Sydney and who turned out at the time to be Garth Nix. So Garth was in a period where he was agenting and he sent it back to me and he said, look, you know, there's a good story here, but I think it needs to be bigger. You need more layers to it. And so it took me about a year to understand what he meant and rewrite it. And by the time I rewrote it and sent it back to him, he'd left. He'd gone into full-time writing. So Aww. the agent who replaced him actually thought she'd take a look at it and um, she had come fresh from from England where science fiction was kind of certainly something that was you know much more in the mainstream than it was in Australia and she had a lot of connections um, to publishers in that arena so she actually was interested in it but she wasn't 100% sure so she's like well I might shop this round but you know I don't really know if I'll be able to sell it. And and then just a couple of other things happened to, like, build her confidence in the property. Like, I had, I think I um, applied to do some kind of mentorship with the Verena Writers' Centre. And that was a really weird story. I, I, um, I think they still run it now where you apply and then you get shortlisted and then people on the shortlist get to work with particular publisher yeah yeah Yeah. so I applied um, and this is all around the same time as, as this agent my agent was looking at the story 
And they came back and said, oh, you, you know, you weren't selected on the short list. And so I was a bit sad, of course, as you are when you get that news. And about two weeks later, I got another email saying, uh, look, I'm really sorry, but I, I think we might have overlooked your manuscript. It's actually, we, we think it, we oh, think no. maybe it, look, we can't put you on the short list, essentially, but we think you, you might have been a bit hard done by. So, yeah, I went to the depth of depression to immediately, uh, you know, talk about the peaks, peak, the peaks and lows of publishing. So what he kindly offered to do was to, you know, ask around in his, through his contacts and see if there's anyone he could show it to. And he ended up speaking to my agent. And so just those couple of things built her confidence in it, the property as well. And then she went out with it and we ended up selling it as a series. So it was kind of, um, like I said, it, it, it gained momentum as I went along. But, you know, from one Fantastic. moment to the next, I never knew whether I was going to be up or I was going to be down. <laughs> the life of a writer. <laughs> so I might take it back just one little step and ask you, when was the point that you decided you were a writer or that within yourself you wanted to write your novel and submit it to publishers? Um, oh, look, I, I think I had started writing in my 20s. Yeah, I mean, I'd been writing since I was a little kid, little bits and pieces. And then in my 20s, I had a little bit of a go at screenwriting and I was too busy having a good time with my life. And so anything I began, I never finished. So there was a lot of that went on for a lot of a long time. And then probably in my early 30s, I just started to think, you know, what do I want to do with my life? And I joined the Vision Writers Group and it was the, from the moment I joined that group, I knew that I was going, I was 100% in, in terms of trying to, to finish mm. the stories that I'd been starting. And so I submitted to Eidolon, I think in about, oh, I don't know, 99 or something like that, uh, my first short story, or it might have even been a little bit earlier, and took two years for them to reply to me and to tell me that that, that I had made my first sale and I would earn $20. <laughs> uh, that's playing the long game, isn't it? <laughs> I'll tell you what, though, it was one of the best moments of my life. So, yeah, look, those early years are so hard when you're trying to you know, convince yourself, let alone convince your family and your friends that you are, mm. you know, what you want to be. Yeah, and I, I guess I'm really trying to share that spark with all of the writers out there that are like, uh, is it, can I? And I'm like, yes, yes, you can. <laughs> Look, so much of it comes down to your own self-belief. And I mean, having, I'll qualify that by saying that writers spend their entire career doubting themselves that never ever goes away but those early moments of when you're really finding your voice and you know looking perhaps to have the validity of your first sale all those sorts of things that is such a leap you know and I suppose for me I just kept um, setting small goals and also 
working multiple. Like I, I would never, I was never one person to, to have just one, a person to have just one thing going. I would always have a number yeah. of projects going. I would always be sending things in different directions. You know, not everybody works that way. But for me, I felt that that was the only way I could keep my own personal momentum, my own motivation, you know. Yeah, I think it's good to have those multiple works being sent out into the world because I think some of it is also a bit of a numbers game. Absolutely. In that, yeah, and of course as well, if you, you've got to be in it to win it. So if you're not submitting anything anywhere, you're not going to get any results either. That's right. I'm struggling with the novel length works where I'm like, I know what I want to write, but it seems so big yes. that I'm still getting my head around, okay, just sit down and do it. <laughs> oh. Stop procrastinating. Yeah. And, I mean, I <laughs> my best tip, Kai, is don't think about the whole book. Just think about the first chapter. And then and think about the next chapter. I'm always in awe, as especially like I jumped onto your website and I'm like, oh, look at all of these books and there's a series and a, oh my goodness, that it just amazes me because it, it means that you've sat there and done the work. You know, I just couldn't, I mean, I, I'm overwhelmed when I think, you know, I've got to write, you know, 90,000 words or, you know, I've got to write a five book series or something like that. And so I always... In fact, you know, that's how I work in life. I reduce things down to to, to bite sizes and just think, well, I don't know what's going to be in two months' time. Let's just do the work in front of me right now. So it's the only way I find it. It's just too big and, and it makes you tired thinking about it. <laughs> and, and are you a full-time writer at the moment or are you juggling other work and other activities as well? Look, I had the um, good fortune to be a full-time writer for a long time, as as well as a mother. So as full-time as you can be when you're bringing up three yeah. children. But the last couple of years, I'm actually working as a corporate-slash-business writer. So I'm writing my own creative work very much more on a part-time basis than I was, which is another part of the reason that, you know, I've kind of not been producing as much. Yeah. So... Am I writing full-time? 100%. I'm writing 150% of the time. Am I writing for myself? Only a margin of that. Mm. Yeah. I think a lot of writing these days, you need to be thinking of it like a business, whether it is for yourself or for someone else anyway. And you can have a very profitable business if you're writing for other people as well. Oh, absolutely. And look, I, I feel... I've, this has opened up possibilities for me. I've learnt to write in new ways. I've learnt to write about new things. I've, it's been a bit of a revelation in many ways. So, you know, to the point that I started keeping a medium blog of my own now, which, you know, 10 years ago I would never have had the confidence to do that. So, um, yeah, nothing, nothing is wasted when you're writing and thinking. Nothing. So now I've got a little segment that I like to do with my guests and it just helps especially readers learn a little bit more about you. So it's a little quick fire segment. <laughs> so what was your favourite book growing up? Oh, before I answer these, Kai, I just might say that some of these writers that I'm going to mention are very old, so nobody may have heard of them. <laughs> but um, my first 
Uh, my favourite book growing up was a book called Kristen Lovrensdatter by Sigrid Unstedt, Norwegian family saga. And it okay. was amazing. She was a, uh, an incredible writer uh, and just introduced me to this concept of the inner world of women. Yeah, that's um, an important thing to learn. Yeah, as yeah, a girl. yeah, absolutely historical. And if I was going to say anything before that, uh, as a young child, the Secret Garden, with that hands yeah, down, yeah, Secret that's Garden, a beautiful book. And the the first book you mentioned, how did you come across that? Or did you find that in the library? Yeah, um, again, a fortunate. I think that my parents were both readers. Um, always had books, you know, in a library. My father was into Ian Fleming and sort of uh, cowboy novels, and my mother was a non-fiction reader. So somehow or other, this sort of Norwegian family saga found its way into their bookcase. I don't know how, and I, I read it just because it was there and, and then became absolutely hooked on historical fiction for a long time. It's, it's interesting how um, your beginnings can influence the rest of your life. I, my parents are big readers as well, and often a lot of who I am is because of my, my mother's literature consumption and television consumption, really. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but, it's, but it's great. I mean, it's great to, to, to grow up in an environment that nourishes, you know, yeah, sort of yeah. that, that imagination. I'm a bit broken-hearted. Um, I have two sons with autism, and no matter how hard I try to put a book in their hands, <laughs> and I got very excited. Um, my son just read Rode Romeo and Juliet. I was like, "Oh, a bit of Shakespeare. We can <laughs> get into this." And he's like, "Mum, they were both idiots. I don't <laughs> want to talk about them." Um, yeah. So every, every time they they said a book at school that I did at school. I get very excited and then I'm just shut down every time. <laughs> <laughs> I feel your pain. I feel your pain. I tried to, well, my my eldest son was, you know, kind of uh, learnt to read a little bit behind others and I couldn't understand why. <laughs> I'm just like, this should be easy because that had been the most important thing in my life, that, you know, and so, yeah, it, it took a lot of, humility and reframing for me to get it. Mm. Mm. It's interesting when you expect your children to, to follow in your footsteps or love the exact yeah. same things you loved and it turns out that that's not the case at not all. the case. <laughs> They're not many me after all. Okay. If you could be any book character, who would it be? Can I take a pass on that one? Sure. Because <laughs> I actually don't know. <laughs> Or are any of your characters like you that you've created? Oh, definitely. They've all got a little piece of me, for sure. Some are more like me than others, but none of them are 100% like me. So I don't know if that answers your question. But, uh, yeah, I just don't know. There's so many. I just can't pick one. Too many to choose from. Yeah. So have you got anything that you're reading right now? Yes, and... You know, again, 10 years ago, I would have had a pile of fiction on my bedside table. Right now I'm reading Brene Brown's Atlas of the Heart, um, which is you know, social psychology and neuroscience. And I'm reading a book called Barricades, which is, oh, just get it here, it's called The War, uh, the subtitle is The War of the Streets in Revolutionary Paris. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I'm kind of deep in nonfiction as a reader at the moment. 
And I can remember meeting Lois McMaster Bujold years ago. She came out to Australia and one of the, you know, we had this intimate little gathering of, you know, because the community was very small then and someone's house and her saying, oh, I only ever read nonfiction. And I thought, oh, that's impossible. How could you only ever read nonfiction? And, and here I am. I'm, I think I finally understand. Mm. It's interesting. I'm a big fan of true crime. And so I listen and read a lot. Mm. That. What's your favourite podcast? My favourite podcast is actually defunct now. It's called Thinking Sideways. Oh, um, and it's one. mainly more, it's not really crime, it's more about mysteries. So they'll talk about like the Somerton Man or oh, yeah. about Bigfoot or any unsolved mystery they, mm. they talk about. And I um, find those very fascinating. Mm. Um, and I don't always believe. Like, I don't believe in Bigfoot, but I really want him to be real. Mm. <laughs> mm. Yeah, oh, so, yeah, totally. So I love, I love science fiction and, yeah, any, anything that's unexplained, I'm, I'm I get a bit obsessed with. So that that's my favourite podcast. Oh, Australia's got some great true crime podcasts. I'm pretty, you know, like, um, well, Australian True Crime is one of them. Mm -hmm. But, you know, um, Bowerville and... Teacher's Pet, a lot of those true crime, they've all been really well produced. They're really, really good. I think it's the quality of the journalism is so good with those yeah. podcasts where they're not just somebody sitting in their spare room. <laughs> so, I'm in my spare room right now. Um, yeah, like they're produced by quality journalists and um, yeah. I think it shines through yeah. as well. Oh, totally, mm -hmm. totally. So, yeah. yeah, all of them. I listen to all of them, and my husband gets frightened that he's going to get murdered, but <laughs> he's safe. <laughs> I'd say the same thing. Yeah. So, well, talking about intimate dinner parties, if you <laughs> could invite five literary people to dinner, who would they be? Ooh, okay, so this is a weirdly eclectic mix. Um, so Octavia Butler, who will always be one of my favourite science fiction writers, and just a regal woman. And I would like to mix her with Carlos Castaneda, who... Do you know, do you know Carlos Castaneda? I don't. No, he, he's an American writer who kind of wrote books about his experiences sort of experimenting with mind-altering drugs with the Yaki in uh, Native Americans. Okay. And it turned out that I think he was a, more of a fraud than anything else, but <laughs> reading his books at the time I read them was like, this is the first time I got introduced to the idea of alternate realities. And uh, so Carlos Castaneda, and he had a very interesting private life, so that would be some good gossip value. J.G. Uh, Ballard who wrote my favourite ever short story, or short stories, I should say, or collection called The Million Sands. So I'd love to talk to him about what inspired those stories. They're still some of the best stories I've ever written, uh, read. Then I would invite Sigrid Unset, who wrote Kristen Lovren's Data, for obvious mm -hmm. reasons. And lastly, I would invite Merv Imray. She's an associate or assistant professor, associate professor at Oxford, in English, and she's just a social, bit of a social commentator. Mm -hmm. She's written a couple of books too. She wrote this amazing piece recently on how political correctness and just 
empathy and uh, her work in the area of neuroscience is is amazing. So, yeah, so that would be a really weird, odd mixture, but I would love to have them all there. It sounds interesting, though. That That's what you want is an interesting <laughs> dinner party where conversation flows and there's a bit of red wine as well. I think they may need a bit of red wine. Could be a very odd <laughs> As long as there isn't heated debate, you, you don't want everybody <laughs> having a bad night. Okay, what advice would you give yourself if you could go back to the beginning of your career? You know, I was thinking about that and I think I would like to tell myself to really consciously expand my mind and my uh, field of view. Like, I feel like, you know, I, I read a lot. I read a lot of fiction and I spent a lot of time dreaming, but I think I wish I'd learned more younger about everything. Mm. Everything, you know, and life gets in the way of that, of course, but I feel like if I could go back again, I would tell myself to be more intentional about that and not let life just happen around me. Mm. I think we, we all do that a little bit because mm. when we're young, we, we think we are we do know. <laughs> yeah, we do. We do. We think we know. we don't know what we don't know. <laughs> and I'm always thinking, oh, I'm I'm very well read. And then I will do an interview like this, and someone will say, oh, have you read this? And I'll be like, oh no. <laughs> like I've read a lot of books. There's a lot of books out in in my library oh. out there. But um, yeah, I think yeah, you you th when you're young, you think you are very expanding your horizons, but it. Yeah, it's only within your own field of vision, I think. Um, I suppose if you really distilled that down, it would be I, I would amplify my curiosity. You know, I would intentionally amplify and be curious about more than I was. And I think just living life is how you discover as well. So as you progress through life, your view changes and you realise what, yeah, you can become more intentional. Yeah, I mean, I think it's easy to let life flow around you and and you do have to do that to a degree. But I, I you know, I, I think that some personalities and some people experience this at school, they get, they get taught to question everything, to be curious about everything. And I don't think I, I don't, don't think I had that as strongly as I would like to, to have. So yeah, as a writer, I feel like it would have served me well. Fantastic. Yeah. Okay, so we're coming towards the end of the interview, so I'd like to ask you, what are you working on now? Well, I think I managed to slip that in quite a few times, but yeah, look, I, I do have a bunch of unfinished things at the moment that I'm gradually eking towards, but the good news is I have just finished a novella in the Tara Sharp series, so under Marianne Delacourt, which will be out this year, so I'm I'm pretty excited. It's the first fiction I've written in a few years. So I'm halfway through the fantasy that I mentioned and the biography. I'm beginning a new crime series, which is going to be set basically in the art world. Oh, that's uh, exciting. Yeah, and um, I've written the text for a picture book that I'm working on with Sunshine Herbert. Uh, she's begun the illustrations for it. At this stage, I'm actually going to self-publish that particular book, unless that cha that may change. But I've really wanted to work with Sunshine for a long time, and I thought instead of waiting 
for it to kind of come to me. I'm I'm going to you. So I said to her, let's let's just do this together now. That's and quite said, intentional. Exactly. Yeah, well done. <laughs> See, I've learned. <laughs> So I have a vision of you at the moment with all of these books up in the air. <laughs> <laughs> juggle, juggle, juggle. It sounds like there's things coming, which is exciting. So the novella will be available this year? Yep, uh, hopefully, you know, by mid-year, uh, maybe before, um, because there could be an audio book deal in the works as well, which I can't say too Amazing. much about that. Don't tell anyone, everybody. <laughs> So, yeah, and the picture book this year as well. And then, you know, others, it's it's kind of at that uh, point where it depends on what gains my mo- momentum for me because, you know, um, working as a writer full-time. And gradually, as that changes, you know, as I retire and that, hopefully, you know, I can immerse myself more fully again. Mm. I talk to my friend Isabel about this all the time, is about, you know, you think by the time you get to kind of our our point in life that, you know, you've got the balance right and yet here we are still juggling it, you know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know. I think life is just a juggle from beginning to end. Indeed it is. There's just different, <laughs> different stages, different juggles. Um, so when these books are released, um, will that be on your social media do you have a um, yeah, newsletter uh, or anything like that I for do. people to keep an eye out for? If you want to subscribe to the newsletter, just go to my website. It's a pretty simple sign-up. Um, most people who know me know that I'm all over Facebook and uh, Insta and Twitter. and So I'm pretty easy to find. And, yeah, I'll be noisy about it when it happens. All right. Everybody for, keep for your eyes out. For a minute or two. <laughs> <laughs> and I will bring it back just to genre con that is on the 18th and 19th of february everybody can grab their tickets to attend at www.genrecon.com.au and the in conversation with marie and marianne is at 10:45 on sunday february the 20th well i'm looking forward to seeing other people's avatars so please come i'm come looking out us. for a, a mohawk <laughs> so <laughs> Does it have your name on the avatar anywhere now? No, I don't so we'll think so. we'll just have to sidle up to you. Yeah, say, are you the pirate Marianne? Do you come here uh, often? <laughs> <laughs> I had a play around in Gather Town today and it's awesome. I loved it. So. Uh, amazing. Yeah, it should be fun. Great. Thank you so much, Marianne. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. It was lovely to talk to you. Lovely to And talk great to work, you as well. by the way. Great work. Keep it up. <laughs> Thank you. Writing stories for children can seem like a very simple task, but there is a skill involved in bringing memorable characters and their worlds to life. Anyone can write a picture book, but not everyone can write a picture book that becomes a child's favourite bedtime story. The best children's picture books fire up their imaginations, evoke emotion, and stay within their memories forever. 
Authors Online was created to provide aspiring authors the knowledge, skills, and resources they need to become a published children's book author. Our extensive industry knowledge will be shared with you and provide you with the basic principles behind writing for children, picture book publishing guidelines, and updates on the current market and publishing environment. And as a special offer for Totally Lit listeners, if you go to authorsonline.com.au, you can apply the discount code of LIT20, that's lit two zero to access discount content at authorsonline.com.au. If you'd like to join Marianne in conversation with Marie Kimberley at 10.45 on Sunday, February 20th, grab your ticket at www.genrecon.com.au. Totally Lit is an independent podcast. You can help support us to continue to chat with wonderful Australian creatives by leaving a review on iTunes or sharing our socials with your friends. You can also make a contribution at www.buymeacoffee.com backslash totally lit. For those of you who know me, I am kind of a caffeine addict, so you can keep me fueled with caffeine, and this will also help with equipment and podcasting platform fees. I love to interact with our listeners, so feel free to say hello either by email or social media at totallylitpodcast at gmail.com or find me under Totally Lit Podcast on Facebook. Um, we also have a wonderful community group on Facebook if you'd love to join um, and interact and continue the conversation. Don't forget to read, write, create, ignite.